Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. Today's show, we have a, an interesting background of an individual. So I'm going to name him the Nutrition Boss. But as as we talk and, and we kind of develop his story a little bit, you realize that nutrition is kind of something like not necessarily new that he's jumped into, but that's the space of genius that he's in right now. But in his journey, he's had some other hats as well. So I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know this is an awesome opportunity to be here, so glad to be here. Uh, my name is Dan Zavrotny. Uh I actually came from management consulting background, specifically around healthcare. Uh, and about three years ago, uh, me and a colleague of mine had the idea of how do we focus on preventative health instead of the old school of actually, you know, surgery, pills, uh, pharmaceuticals, and trying to change the landscape of the way people think about health by looking at lifestyle decisions. Um, and it seemed to be working pretty well so far. So, I mean, let's just dive into that a little bit more. I mean, obviously, with your background, it's, it's you know, it leads to more of a particular background versus kind of where you are. And obviously, health is a common denominator. Yeah. But I would say more so on the finance side. So let's talk about it. Like, like how did you even get into, like, the finance realm before you even got into creating software and hardware into the nutrition space? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think this is partially due to my personality. I have a little bit of an obsessive personality where I pick something and I get kind of obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, people, and this is, again, good or bad, I don't know. People believe that you should have balance in your life. I'm very skewed toward pick two things that get very good and kind of ignore the balance and then switch over when you're done with it. Um, I think that's driven me to really pick an areas that let me win. And so uh, for a, a one point in time, my goal was to basically hey, I want to travel as much of the world as possible. And there are a few jobs that let you do that. And finance was one of those jobs. Mm-hmm. And so I was specifically looking for jobs that call me finals, finals, finance international global leader, finance international manager program, uh, finance manager consulting globally. And so I constantly picked jobs that let me travel the world. Uh, and you know, I grew up, I didn't have a lot of money, so I didn't have the opportunity. A lot of my friends studied abroad and all these options, so I didn't. And so... I did something like 103 countries in like 10 years mm-hmm. and almost all of it paid for basically by corporations. So I mean, hey, go live in France for six months. Hey, go live in Colombia for three months. Hey, we need you to go on these trips to Japan. Um, and then I got all my traveling out of the system and I basically said, okay, what's next? And I'm like, all right, seems like career is a good one to go in, right? And it just happened that finance also paid relatively well, but uh, I just doubled down and said, how do I you know, succeed in that? And basically started just focusing and getting obsessed with my career. Um, got promoted a good amount of times. Uh, and then as I was in that field, I got really good at it. And I started realizing that I was doing specifically healthcare consulting for finance. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, finance for healthcare consulting. I realized that there's these trends that we keep spending more and more money every single year per capita in the U.S. on healthcare. People keep getting sicker. Mm-hmm. And almost everything is based on lifestyle choices. Um, not exercising, poor food quality. We're just... Companies marketing us food, food that's terrible for us, and we don't know any better. Uh, and so was trying to figure out what I could do about it. My colleague uh, just happened to be 
in San Francisco when I was there for a healthcare conference, sold the company in the space of childcare space. It was like, it was basically the Uber for childcare. Hmm. Um, and he was just hanging out. He was wearing a continuous glucose monitor on his arm. Uh, these are devices that track your glucose in real time 24 seven oh. to give you feedback on how your body responds to food, stress, sleep, exercise, like literally in real time. Uh, and he asked me, like, you know what that is? And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of an expert in this area. Not only have I worked in this industry, but also my sister has this because she's type, you know, she's a type one diabetic. Oh. And he's like, oh, I'm thinking about like doing some of this platform. Are you interested? And I was like, yep, let's do it. <laughs> Quit my job two weeks later. Uh, it launches company. Uh, and it get interesting because he, my background is engineer. I was a finance guy. So he said, all right, in startups, there's only two things that matter, build and sell, whether it's a service, a product, an offering. So he's like, I'm going to build it. You got to sell it. Huh. And my question was, well, how do you sell? I've never sold anything in my life. <laughs> uh, and that became fascinating, trying to figure out how do you actually sell something online with a budget of zero. Mm. So that's the story starts from. <laughs> so I think that's definitely interesting. I mean, with that, right? I mean, you guys are potentially like two years old and you have an evaluation of like 150 million. So like, just talk about that evaluation. Because again, yep. you're talking to entrepreneurs, you're talking to business owners and they hear 150 million. And right now their reoccurring revenue per annual is a million dollars. It's like, how the hell do we even get to 150 million evaluation in less than two years? So let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to make it more modest, it took us two and a half years to get there. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Six months, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I think it's it's mostly like how do you build things really fast and grow really fast. Um, one of the things is just trying to do things. At first, you start off with things that don't scale. Do things that don't scale. So when we started, it was basically like reach out to hundreds and hundreds of influencers mm-hmm. and get one to work with you and just try to figure out how to break through it. Um, and so just constant rejection, getting just one to say yes. Finally, we got one. Um, after that, once you get that model going, then the goal is to say, okay, how do you put someone in the driver's seat and create a process for them to replicate what worked, right? And then once you put that person, then you basically amplify that, putting two, three, four people in that, that same position you did, uh, and you just have them do it repeatedly, right? Because mm-hmm. all it is from scaling to not scaling is just figure out what works, writing that process down step by step and make it to a point where almost anyone can do it. Um, and so it's one learning the process, learning the, how to uns- do it unscalably, then figure out how to scale it, write that out, and then teach someone else to do it scalably, and then hire more people to scale it. And then so we got the influencer on board area that we've started saying, okay, what else can we do? We need Facebook ads, Google ads, all that stuff. But those are things that are more of like short-term gains, but they're scalable because you spend the money, you get revenue. But if you stop spending the money, you stop getting revenue. So you should also think about marketing from perspective like short-term, mid-term, long-term. And so you got to start slowly adding more and more channels where you want to drive the growth in the short-term, but with channels that are easy to scale, where you go, you can spend $5,000 on Facebook or 100,000 within minutes, right, if you want to. Yeah. But at the exact same time, when you stop that funnel, it's dead, right? And it's so you want to start supplicating that's the exact same time with like search engine optimization and start building your traffic that way as well over time. Uh, both through content, through newsletters, as well as just writing blogs and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And so you're constantly just adding more funnels and more marketing channels at the same exact time in order to not be stuck in one area, right? If you're just a YouTuber or something like that, that's the only place. If something happens, you're dead tomorrow. And the idea is you keep slowly adding more unscalable channels. You confirm, I'm sorry, you change unscalable channels to scalable channels while simultaneously uh, build long-term channels while using short-term channels as a way to get revenue 
while developing other ones. So, I mean, I'm just listening to you speak and obviously, you know, like marketing is something that just turns me on and I'm hearing you spit off and rattle all this different information <laughs> and you're talking about strategy, you're talking about modeling, yeah. you're talking about growth strategies. And I'm like, I, I mean, you're, you're the chief operation officer, but in reality, it sounds like you're more the chief marketing officer as well, too. Cause I mean, understanding these principles and then not only doing that, but applying them pretty successfully as well. I mean, before we got on this, this particular podcast, you know, I went to your website, I'm checking it out. And then I went to Facebook, I hit refresh and sure as hell, what do I see? you're at so obviously <laughs> yeah. the system yeah. is working right yeah no. yeah i mean one of the things i did is because i came from management consulting finance i knew nothing about this right uh -huh. and uh my co-founder the guy I started with he's doing it in tech for 10 12 years so he knew a lot about it but the technical side of things so i realized there's really only way to win uh and it is to hire the right people uh -huh. and i'm sure you know people 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 always the key um but hiring is freaking hard. That's the one thing I did not expect to be this difficult. Oh. How like the difference between like someone who's okay versus someone who's good is miles apart. Yeah. Where a good person could do like the output of 20 people with the same amount of time. It's mind blowing. Huh. Um, but how do I or you evaluate someone with a job we've never done before? So one of the things I basically did is I said, hey, I'm gonna the way the bar I'm gonna set is this. I'm gonna do every single job one at a time huh. uh, for a short amount of time for a month. And um, but I'm going to get obsessed. I'm going to learn everything I can humanly possibly learn about that topic. And when I interview people, they need to be at least twice as good as me, because this is what they specialize in. They need to be at least twice as good as me, uh, because if they're not, then it's kind of ridiculous. I'm going to spend you know ten years on a job and I've spent a month, and they're not at least twice as good. That's probably an issue. Um, that's number one. That was the first standard. And the second standard is I would always find someone else who was about two to three years ahead of me in that field. Uh -huh. Uh, and I would ask that person to do the final round of interview for me. And so I would have this bar and then this person also has this bar. Uh, the, the difficult part with these people is they're very busy. So you can't just be like, hey, do all the interviews for me because they're going to be I don't have time for this. This is ridiculous. Uh, but you just ask them like just almost a confirmation at that. You might have two candidates. Like, which one do you like better uh, because of the experience? And so really leveraging other people's experience plus getting a level, decent level of understanding. Um, because I think it's hard otherwise. Like what is the baseline when somebody tells you they're – like, oh, they do this and this at SEO or this and this Facebook. Like, it sounds good, but what does that mean to you? And unless you've been through trouble of failing at something, you don't know how well they're describing it. You just simply don't understand. Hmm. I think that's a very solid point. I mean, at the point where your company is about roughly 120 employees and you've been at it for, like, say, less than three years. So yep. you've been averaging, like, what, like a new employee per week for the past two years? I mean, yeah, no. So it wasn't the first, it's funny, first year it was from two to like seven. Second year is seven to something like sixteen, and then then from sixteen to one twenty. Uh, so now we're yeah. yeah. So now we're realizing we gotta. We, now we're realizing we need HR departments, we need learning development departments. Uh, again, these are things I knew nothing about. So it's diving in trying to learn that. Um, but it, it's I think we both know like we're not rock. We're not sending rockets into space. We're not doing brain surgery. You don't need people that are experts in certain areas. You need people who are hungry to learn. Uh -huh. um, and that passion and that drive, it's not something that can be taught, I think, a lot of times. I think it's something people are just in habit side, right? Uh, and I think giving people opportunities, you'll succeed. Um, I think we've, interestingly enough, hired people for jobs that are not the jobs they come from. We hired a finance guy to be our HR person. Huh. We hired an accounting guy to run a Facebook ads, right? And so it's... We hired a marketing guy to do some of our data science. Uh, it, it's just like people who are hungry want to learn. They're excited, and it's like, and it gets people motivated, and they want to work hard. And it, 
it's special work doesn't seem that hard, but it's interesting. Huh. Um, and one of the things, again, we focus on preventative health where every single day we get hundreds of testimonials say, saying like, hey, I had type two diabetes and you guys reversed that. Or maybe I'm an Olympic athlete and I was able to set a new time and you guys helped me, right? Because we get to optimize my nutrition and hearing that over and over, and we have like a Slack channel that we see every single day uh-huh. with constant reminders, it feels good. You know, like I love Uber, one of my favorite companies, but like same time, uh, like sending people's cars is like, I don't think people motivate, like, cool, we sent 10,000 cars today or 20,000 cars to people's houses. It's not as motivating as like change my life every single day you hear from hundreds of people. Uh, it inspires you and you see, every single employee sees this and they realize they're contributing to a bigger mission. Um, and so it's very helpful, huh. right? And I think, and as I was mentioning, people are the key here, but it's also about like who you want your team, right? We realize that talented people go to the Facebooks, the Googles, the Instagrams, the Twitters, right? They go to be the Amazons because they pay the best, right? And as a small company, we cannot compete on salary. We simply cannot. And I hope someday we can, but you know, that's a that's a far down the road line. So how do you do it? And so we said, hey, we are gonna take a stand on being a company of extreme values that we believe in. One is that we are extremely transparent, where everyone knows anytime like what our revenue is, what our profit is. Uh, everyone knows how they're performing. Any moment in time they can ask us, we'll tell them exactly one to ten how they're performing. We'll also tell them how to improve. Mm. Uh, if if anyone wants to switch it to a different area, we're happy to tell them that. But we'll tell them exactly what they need to do. Um, we'll tell them how far they're from promotion. If we're on a phone call we'll, and somebody looks tired, like, hey, take a nap. Like, it's okay. It's the middle of the day. Like, as long as your work's getting done, we don't care. For us, it's just extreme of like extreme transparency, extreme flexibility, where we don't care if you, you live in South Africa, you live in Nigeria, if you live in Brazil and China and Russia and US, people can live anywhere they want, work anytime they want, um, as long as they're responsible. And I think some people, some people don't understand that and they end up watching TV for 12 hours a day and then. It's a different conversation, but I think people who are go-getters, they love that um, because they can go and spend time with their family in the middle of the day for five hours. Nobody cares as long as you get the work done later. Uh, and it, it brings a certain amount of credibility to people that join. Um, it also gets some people excited, some people scared. You know, I think we have a lot of people that come in and go like, hell yeah, or F no pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, when we interview people, like people self-select themselves. And a lot of times we'll say, like, oh, not for me. Sorry. We're like, great. Less time for us to spend interviewing. That makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. So, I mean, I think you dropped a couple of different keywords in there. So it kind of leads me to like my next question. If you could define yourself in three to five words, what would those three to five words be to define you? Yeah. Obsessive learner. Uh, I have a... I have this problem where I have like, I'm subscribed to so many newsletters. I have so many books I'm constantly reading. I'm reading like six books usually at the same time that I have to basically sometimes stop and like unsubscribe from things, stop reading. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm just spending so much time in so many areas reading and learning that um, it's like, Oh, my brain is about to explode sometimes. <laughs> just like, you know, it'll be like design and then it'll be like history and then geopolitics. And then some, you know, let's, let's learn some Python. And I realized that, Hey, I need to, re- there are people who are better than me at these things that have been doing it and they're specialized and surface level knowledge sometimes is good enough. It was important to be pretty good at things when I was beginning, it was just me and my friend. Now that there's a bigger team, we have to just rely on people to know things and expect that they just will lead the organization successfully uh-huh. without us having to know enough or even understand even anything at all. Like is there's not really any value for me to understand user research. 
or user experience and the software development program. But I went and learned this for you know high level, but like what's the point? We have a person who's responsible for this. Um, so it's that part is what got me to this this part this stage, but also it's what kind of slowed me down. I need to stop, right? So I'm constantly saying myself, stop learning so much things that are not specific to what you're doing today. Hmm. Very interesting. So with, with with your finance background and obviously you know building corporations and like you said earlier you know is it, it, you're doing two things when you're doing a startup right you're building yeah. it or you're getting you're getting ready to sell it right so like how is that company structured is it an LLC S corp or a C corp and why did you choose that that branch we are a C corp uh, the reason we see we became a C corp is because as we start growing we basically realize if we want to grow even faster we need to raise venture capital money or angel investment money. And that's usually the proper way to do it uh, if you want to raise outside funds. It's definitely interesting because I mean, the, the reality is, is like some people, they don't think about that. They think about building a business and they just want to grow it and get money. But in the reality, nine out of 10 business eventually would potentially get sold if they yep. were set up correctly. So, I mean, having that 2020 hindsight, realizing that a C Corp would be your best um, step forward, let's dive into like, mistakes that you have made right so if you can go back in the time frame that you guys have created this company or even when you were younger if you have opportunity to talk to your younger self what would you tell yourself to change where you are to make it happen a lot faster uh i would say just start earlier mm. there were times that i've had ideas and i've gotten to a level where like i'm about to start a company and i just didn't push and it was that fear it was the fear of like what happens if it fails mm. Right. Uh, what happens is work out. It, it's a lot of it. It's like it's this imaginary shame uh, with failure. And it doesn't really matter. I mean, funny enough, uh, when we were starting this, my parents were like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you quitting? Don't quit your job. You have a high paying job where you get to travel the world and hang out with C-suite people. And like, you're an important person now. And I was like, no, I need to do this. And like, they only maybe like six months ago, my parents were like, oh, it looks like you're doing a good job now. <laughs> and but, uh, literally the first two years, even when I, we were growing and we're doing making progress my parents are still like is this a good idea are you sure it's a good idea i'm like it's been two years and they're like i don't know do you want to go back to your job like mm. um and it's it's just i think our parents want the best for us and i think as we get older we become much more conservative as individuals and i've caught myself being much more conservative and so you know there is always a risk reward situation right but i think the key to remember here is that if you fail in this whatever the word failure means um you can always get a job these jobs exist. I mean, look at the market right now, right? Like it's an employee's market and jobs always exist, especially for smart, talented people. Mm -hmm. And what you learn in a startup in one, two years translates into like 10 to 20 years in corporate world. And a lot of people appreciate that. And so I would almost look at it as like, okay, maybe you get paid less or nothing for two years, but then you double your income as a corporate job if, you do, if things don't work out, right? Uh, so I wouldn't look at it as that negative. So it's always try faster earlier. Like you just want to go try it out. Like it's a, like just fail. It's completely fine, right? And just try again. Um, that's the biggest thing. It's just I want. I just kept not. I was just afraid of the failure portion of it. It's it's scary, right? Yeah, yeah. So hmm. try earlier, faster. <laughs> so I mean, you brought up your parents. So that that leads me to like another question. It's kind of like you know, kind of like your upbringing. Like were yeah. any of your parents or any of your ancestors entrepreneurs? And and if they were, who was it? And what did you learn from them? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, my parents, so I was born in Ukraine. We moved to the U.S. Uh, and my parents at first just had like regular jobs. We didn't have a lot of money. 
and then one day my dad actually at like 55 was like, all right, I'm tired of working with someone else. I'm going to start my own company and start his own company at 55, uh, which is kind of a late time, late time start. Uh, but the main reason for that was because, you know, for a while he didn't understand culture in the U.S. He didn't understand the business works, different country, language barrier, right? Now he's relatively fluent in English, but before he barely spoke English, right? So he had to be an employee. Um, but he had a lot of drive to succeed. So I, I guess I do have that advantage. Um, but uh, I think outside of that, not much of entrepreneurship background. It's more of, uh, even in Ukraine, he was more into like, business but more in a corporate world hmm. interesting so i mean you brought up ukraine you brought yeah, up yeah. that you traveled the world you've been to like a hundred different countries so like and again i think I, when i did my due diligence you speak four languages correct yep yeah yeah, yeah. which one is uh language? russian ukrainian english uh french a little bit of spanish okay and another key word that you brought up earlier on was like geopolitics. So, I mean, the next question is just kind of like a general question. You know, obviously you're from Ukraine and what's going yeah. on in Ukraine right now with Russia. I mean, what's your, your philosophy or thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are this, or it's just, you know, there's one man, a Putin situation, who is a very power hungry guy, right? And I think he is driving something where he wants to reclaim his importance in life. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of it is a ego situation. Like, you are in charge of the biggest country in the world for the last 22 years. You know, and a lot of people say he's the richest man in the world. Let's pretend he's not the richest. Let's say he's top 10, right? Like, what else in the world do you want? You're 70 years old. And I think it's one of those things where it's just like eagerly, like, I, what else can I have? What else can I want in life here? You know, no, it's, it's very difficult to, uh, for the Russian people. And I don't blame Russian people for this mm -hmm. because I think that it's not their fault. Like, they have no option, right? A lot of times. Uh, and even the ones that maybe are for the war, a lot of times, if you watch the propaganda there, it's very extreme. And so people don't know anything else, right? I think someday, some not too long ago, somebody told me, well, why don't they turn on CNN? Why don't they turn on CNBC? Why don't they change a the channel? Why don't they reach the BBC? And I was like, like, okay, if you're in the US and you watch Fox News, when did you switch to CNN all of a sudden? Or if you watch CNN, why would you switch to Fox News? If you watch them for 30 years, you're not going to one day just switch the news and watch something else, right? Or go read the French news, uh, let alone learn new language to learn, <laughs> right, about the news if you speak Russian. Yeah. So it's a lot of it's brainwashed. You know, I've actually, for the fun of it, went and watched a bunch of Russian news. You know, in their mind, they're not even, they don't even, they don't even know there's a war. They think they're like, we're in one little area saving, like, saving Ukraine from Nazis, right? And they don't even know there's like, uh, that there's people literally attacking the capital. They have no idea of it all because they blocked out all the independent channels, everything. So, you know, it's, you're at, we're asking people like, how do you feel about the war? But they think like you're, you're saving the world, right? Huh. So it's a little bit unfair in that regard to them. Um, granted, I read last time that 350,000 Russians left the country already. Huh. Uh, and guess what? These are high tech people. These are like the software engineers, the designers, the marketers, people who have international exposure. And I think they know because they are the ones that work in international companies or talking to international folks. And so they're leaving. And so I think this is going to impact Russia significantly because you have this brain drain. As I mentioned in companies, people, most important part, countries are also people, most important part. The reason we as U.S. have been the most successful country in the world is because we've attracted global talent from everywhere. And you just have 350,000 smartest people in Russia leaving Russia. Like, good luck for the next 20, 30 years, right? Good yeah. luck developing anything. 
uh, I think it's going to set them 50 years back in technology. That's definitely, I mean, interesting philosophy too. Because I mean, uh, like with that fifty-year span, you're talking about like a legacy, and then that legacy is going to fall out because of what happened fifty years before it. So that kind of leads me to like, like just family a little bit. Like currently, right now, I think you're based out of what Chicago is it? I'm in Chicago right now. Yep. Okay. So how do you currently juggle your work life with your family life with everything that you have going on? Uh, yeah, that's it's hard, honestly. Uh, yeah, it's. That part, I'm still trying to understand. Uh, I have recently, so I have family in both U.S. as well as Ukraine. Recently, my fam- family in Ukraine finally left the country, and they're now in Czech Republic. Uh, but before this, they were in Ukraine, and, like, the city they were in just got completely destroyed, where, like, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, and so, you know, first they were calling me, like, oh, we lost electricity. Next week, they're like, oh, we lost gas. Next week, they're like, we lost Wi-Fi. And then they lost water. And then when they lost water, they're like, okay, we have to leave. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's city's completely destroyed. Now they're, it's like the country's falling apart. Um, I think something like 10 million out of 44 million people have moved now. So it's, yeah, it's a, just a crazy place. And I can't imagine what's going to happen. What's interesting is that a lot of people that actually live in there, young people, they didn't leave. And I've asked a couple of people, women and men, hey, are you guys leaving? And a lot of the women even said, I'm not leaving. I'm fighting for my country, huh. right? And I'm like, but Russia has all these soldiers. And they say, a lot of them say like, hey, it's 200,000 soldiers. It's 40 million soldiers here, right? And this is our country. It's our, our land. What are we, we're not going anywhere. And so it's hard to fight that kind of war, I think, for Russia mm-hmm. um, long term. Yeah, that's definitely. I mean, I'm just thinking about it. It's a, it's a hell of a, a bag to juggle because, I mean, it, Part of your family's here. Part of your family's over there, and yeah, the train is six hours ahead of us. So I mean, that kind of elongates your day to to a certain extent. Or at least you wake up earlier to kind of stay in touch to see what's going on overseas. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a little bit that part. I'll be honest, with you, it's a little bit nightmarish. Uh, and my mom literally tells me, "Stop reading the news," because I can't stop reading the news. Like, but it's I think it's I think we all know we love to be in control. Especially entrepreneurs love being control, and I've tried like to take ambiguous situations and things that aren't controllable and make them controllable. And here you have no control. You just watch and see what happens. Um, I hope there's regime change in Russia and things go back to normal, go back to what is possibly as good a normal as you can get. Uh, that's the goal, but you know, we can't do much about it. I think at this point, I think you brought up a, another key word about, you know, being in control and, you know, talking about like habits, like what kind of morning habits do you have? Cause I mean, obviously I think that you're a pretty structured individual. So what is your morning regimen, your morning routines look like? Sure. Uh, I wake up in the morning. It's, it's, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I'm a big believer uh, in maybe because I run a health tech company about stress, sleep, exercise, and nutrition. Uh-huh. That's the kind of the four pillars we look at. Uh, there's a fifth one that's also psychological, uh, like emotional well-being when you have to be around people. It's the fifth one, but uh, I the four ones are the company ones. And so I actually make sure that I wake up and I get up when I wake up, not by alarm clock. Mm. So I think that naturally sometimes we wake up and we feel a little better, sometimes we feel a little groggy, and we kind of force ourselves up. I do not. I have stopped setting an alarm clock like three years ago. And I know that's unfair because people who have jobs have to be up at a certain time. But I've realized as long as I'm with a certain buffer, let's say I get up between seven to nine, I just make sure I, whenever I open my eyes, I'm kind of rested. I wake up and I get up and go. Uh, I noticed that just, it just should make such a difference. Um, there are also times where, you know, sometimes you like you just wake up at four in the morning, five in the morning for no reason. You don't know why. I used to before force myself to go back to sleep 
and be like, oh, I need those extra hours. And then I'd wake up later, I'm even more groggy. Now I have a rule where whenever I wake up is a wake up. If I wake up at four, I'll wake up and I'll just get my day going. And then if I take a nap in the middle of the day, I'd do it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important to follow your body and make sure you get the sleep in there. Uh, and then after that, I make sure that I basically just uh, get a very, very good breakfast. Uh, I It's going to sound silly, but I focus specifically on a single like glucose company, glucose optimization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not eating or drinking things in the morning that are too carb heavy. Um, for example, one rule, there are simple rules you can do in life where like, if you do long term, they just significantly help you improve your all lifestyle choices. One is don't drink anything with sugar. Like the only things I drink are water, tea, coffee, milk, like you fear, right? If you just cut out like any sugar drinks, even if you drink, you like to go out, like have a vodka soda, have a gin and tonic, don't do Coke and, you know, Coke and vodka. Uh, just cutting out sugary drinks, I think is already a big factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just have a meal that is a mixture of protein and fats and carbs together, not just carbs. People do a bagel for breakfast or something. Don't do that. Um, one good thing you could do is always make sure you eat the actual protein or the fats before the carb, if you do have a carb. I know it sounds silly, but the order of your food, there's actually nutrition science behind this. The order of your food actually makes an important factor on how your body processes it. Uh, if you eat a bagel first, let's say, or a banana or an apple, you have this glucose spike and then you have this high energy level and then you crash. If you eat the protein and the fat first, your body actually starts metabolizing that first. And then if you eat the bagel afterwards, it gives you a steady energy for much longer. And people don't realize that it's the same exact meal, three pieces, the same meal, but just different order of how you chew them uh, actually makes a difference. So I make sure to eat basically those three things, but in order of protein and fat first. So I guess it's safe to say when I, when I assume to say that you're pretty structured, that is a clear damn understatement, right? I mean, like <laughs> literally you, you've optimized out. I mean, I think for our listeners, like taking the nutrition side, hence why I called you the nutrition boss to just understand those principles of like, okay, if you're going to eat a bagel, eat the bagel potentially 90 minutes after you've eaten your, your sausage and eggs to make sure that your glucose levels are at a particular point so you can peak. And I'm just listening to you rat- like, rattle it off, but it yeah. definitely makes, makes sense. But again, until you hear someone like you say it, I don't think people give that due diligence any processing. They just kind of eat whatever they need to eat and they just run with their day. Well, what's interesting is I agree with you. What I've realized that one of the reasons people fail at nutrition and health is because it's extremely bucketed where it's like you need to have this specific bagel, this specific time, this specific thing, or you need to wake up at this specific time. Uh, I've basically kind of made it structurally unstructured hmm. where I'll say like, I can I can do these things, but it has to be within a certain time frame. Where it's like, okay, I can eat uh, as long as like so. I'll have like basics. I will I'll make sure I'll never eat within three hours of bed. Hmm. So you could have a little cheat meal, but make sure it's not within three hours of bed. And such a small thing. Uh, or if you eat, go for a ten minute walk. Like look, it could be back and forth in your apartment, hmm. like ten minutes. Just put a timer, ten minutes, and just do it. And these small improvements actually dramatically over time change your life. I mean, if you think about any disease, diabetes, heart disease, it's not like you just don't have diabetes next year you have diabetes or heart disease. It's continuous, just like every single day for you know 365 days a year for 10, you know, 10 years, you get in thousands of times, you're just kind of hurting yourself over and over and over by eating poorly, poor quality food. And that's how you get one of these diseases. So if you just remove small things, like I mentioned, doing a small walk, literally after every meal, 10 minutes. You don't notice it, but it makes an enormous difference. Uh, because unfortunately, you know, 
as entrepreneurs, we don't have time to go, you know, do the whole 10 mile hike every day that, you know, professional athletes have, or these UC workout regimes where you have to like mentally prepare yourself where I see people doing workouts, like an hour CrossFit. I love CrossFit, but it takes a lot of mental energy to be like, okay, I just had a stressful day at work. Now I'm going to do CrossFit for an hour. You have to be really motivated. And I think naturally we only have a certain amount of motivation every day to do things. Uh, and so by the time the end of the day ends, like, you almost have this like paralysis of just your mind and will and motivation. And so how do you remove the barrier for paralysis? And it's just reducing choices, right? I'm not sure if you have the concept of like paradox of choice. Huh. Uh, yeah. So I mean, for listeners, it's like the idea of, you know, 50 years ago, you had three pairs of jeans you could buy and you tried all three and it does the best one. So that's the one you love and you wear that. Now you've ever go with thousands of pairs of jeans, right? And then, no matter how much you, the one you like, you, the one you bought, you like, there's always another one that's better. Always another one that's better. And now you have the same thing. We're like, you could do yoga, you could do Legree, you could do Core Power Studio, you could do Orange Stereo. There's so many options. There's so many things happening. We're always overwhelmed by choices and marketing all day long. Mm-hmm. But if you just do simple things like literally like 10 minute walk around your apartment after a meal, uh, it, it doesn't seem like work. It becomes more so like a habit that you don't have to think about it. You want to automate these things that are becoming like less work and more so just a simple thing you do every single day. I think that that's a hell of a message. I mean, the fact that you brought up um, paralysis of choice, it's kind of like coming from the marketing standpoint. And I always try to instill this in anyone that I'm educating or talking to is that realizing that like there's almost 8 billion people in the world, right? And unless you're going to spend billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars or become world renowned famous, like a, like on a Kanye or Jay-Z level, <laughs> yeah, potentially yeah. even still on that level, there's people that have never heard of those individuals. So why would you not add your element or your product or service into that market sector yes it adds to the pool of choices but whatever you're saying and however you're communicating your body language your look your feel your tenacity would resonate way more with an individual person helping them to kind of overcome that fear of choice and they'll look at you and be like oh my god i understand this person they understand me and you may be selling the same exact product but they'll go with you just because they resonate with you would you agree with that I agree. Well, first of all, I don't. How far are you along? How far away from being Kanye? <laughs> I think, <laughs> or Jay Z? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on that. We're still working towards that, right? Another couple more years, we'll be there, right? <laughs> For sure. Um, no, I mean, I, I, to be to be frank, like if you believe and you work hard at it, like, I mean, worst case scenario, you don't become Kanye, like you become Justin Timberlake, right? That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're both okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what do they say? You shoot for the stars, worst case, or you shoot for the moon, you you land among stars if it doesn't work yeah. out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, so yeah, I'm going to agree with that 100%. 100%. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that's the truth. Um, and it's interesting. I read his newsletter called Morning Brew. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it, for people who haven't, it's actually pretty fascinating. There are some, there's some high-level marketing things, but they go in detail. And one of the trends they've actually mentioned over and over in the last couple of months is that people no longer buy from brands. They buy from brand leaders. And so they want to hear the story of the CEO, of the founder, not of oh, Target's selling this thing or Walmart's selling this thing. They want to know, like, what is this brand? What do they represent? Who are they here for? Why are they better, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And this is why we're seeing all these digital online shops popping up, why people are successful online, because people want to know where you come from and what, like, what what do you present? And it's important. And that's a trend that's happening. That's been happening a little by little over the last couple of years, but it's really popping up now. And I think it's going to get bigger and bigger over time. 
Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, obviously, like branding, it, it talks to my heart and my soul. Obviously, just looking behind me, right? So, I mean, I just yeah. stand there and I live and breathe that all day, every day. So, yep. so, I mean, I think earlier on, you was talking about, like, you're a ravagious reader, right? So, I think you say you was reading about six books. So, this next question is kind of going back to when you said that was like, okay, I'm going to hold this question off until now. Um, yep. Three-part question. What books helped you on your journey to kind of get you in the state of mind? Because, again, you went from finance to tech tech yep. would help so what book did you read to get you there first question yeah um a lot of books uh a lot a lot of books i mean before i answer that question i think you have to i think for anyone trying to learn a new topic i think there's really three ways to do it and it's one learning as many books as possible books podcasts youtubes things like that uh the second one is just doing it you have to do it like Understand something from intellectual perspective is never as good as understanding from emotional perspective. You were there, like you were in a place where you know the company's almost dead, or you were there that raised the money, or you're the guy that made the sale. Like you could read about sales all day, but unless you do it, it just doesn't work. And the third one is find someone who's like two to three years ahead of you in that area, and just get them to help you. When I help you, like you realize these people also have lives, and so they're not always going to be like, sure, let me help you for free forever. But more so like a mentorship, right? And you have to be very cognizant, aware of their time and be respectful of their time, right? So don't stick up 10 hours a week for like once every two weeks or 30 minutes, right? Um, and the reason I say two to three years is because if you go like five, 10 years, someone's successful, they're too far ahead and marketing changes, the world changes, things they did before don't always work out uh, anymore now because things have changed so quickly. So only two to three years is what I recommend. Mm -hmm. And also get like three or four of those people at the exact same time because sometimes someone got really, really lucky and they will say that is the world, the way the world works, and they're so confident about it. But in reality, they just got lucky. And so when you have a concept, four people and three say one thing, one says another, you're like, oh, maybe this guy's lucky guy, outlier. Uh, it's still good to hear his perspective, but at least it gives you ideas what to do. And oftentimes with these people, what's actually really good is not understanding what worked for them, but actually what didn't work for them. Mm. Because it's the mistakes that you make are the one that cost you so much time. So if you can ignore those, that's super helpful. Uh, but back to the books. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, I think there's a couple of good ones. I think the lean startup huh. is a really good one. Uh, it just makes you think very differently from corporate world to startups. Um, in corporate world, as you know, like there's processes that already exist. And so a lot of times what you're doing is like the process might be 99% done and you're trying to get to 99.9% because that 0.9% might be a billion dollar savings because corporations huge, right? In a startup, there's nothing that exists. You building the most, the worst thing you've ever seen in your life is already like zero to 50%. And so build the first version. Don't be ashamed. Just build it. It's so important. And it's, it's such a hard mindset shift. Uh, my co-founder taught me this where when we first started using our website and we would basically, we'd get like, let's say hundred visitors a month on our website. And you know, there's a top of funnel, mid funnel, bottom of funnel. And I would always be like at the bottom of funnel, like, oh, let me try to go from, we have two customers. Let's try to get three customers. How do I can increase the funnel to three customers? And my co-founder said, Dude, we have 100 people visiting our website. Get a million people visit your website. Then you can focus on going from 2% to 3%. When you have 100 people visiting, like the mana, even if you get to 3%, it's one extra person. You just spend 40 hours a week doing this. The micro optimizations we're talking about the bottom funnel matter a lot when you're at scale. Uh, when you're not at scale, you need to increase your top of funnel, the recognition, brand awareness. That's what you need to get. Um, and so these, the, my friend told my co-founder told me this as well. The book talks about this, just get going, launch it, get it just. Okay. 
like if you are not embarrassed by what you've built or you're selling a first version, you're not starting early enough, huh. right? That's the problem. And I mean, I'll give you a funny story. Anecdote is when we launched our app, we actually had to wait for iOS 13 to come out because that's the, the software was not allowed to use NFC, which is near field communication uh-huh. to with the, with a the device. So we released the day it was possible. However, you know, we didn't know everything was going to be in, a, in the new version of Apple. And they had a thing called night mode. So we released the day off. First of all, we had to call people and help them download the new version of iOS on their phone. And second of all, once we got it, we didn't realize dark mode was going to make our app black from 10 p.m. till 8 in the morning. So people are paying a subscription a lot of money, you know, $200 a month. And their app only works half the day, basically. Right? And when they sleep, they don't, it's a complete black screen. We're like, all right, that's embarrassing, you know. Uh, but these are things you have to always think about, like just launch faster. Um, and so also like there's a book called, um, I believe it's called, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's, uh, by A16Z founder, um, it's like crazy things about crazy things or something like that, or I'm trying to remember in the top, I'm sorry, I can't space out the name of the book, but it basically talks about, uh, the founder journey. And I think that we're always afraid that, you know, we're going to fail and we have these fears in our minds. Um, of what's going to happen, and we think we're the only ones going through it because entrepreneurship is very lonely. It's a very lonely road. Uh, and reading other successful people just go through the craziness and talk about how they almost failed like seven times makes you really appreciate it and realize, okay, it's not just me. It just reminds you, like, it's not just you. Um, and Hard Things About Hard Things, that's the book. There you go, by Dreesen Horowitz. Sorry, go. And it just reminds you, like, hey, everyone went through this. Usually people just say, like, your company... Most successful people have their company die five to seven, almost die five to seven times before this succeeds, right? <laughs> so it's, uh, I mean, if you're in this place where your company has never been that place, you're lucky, right? Uh, but if it happens once or twice, it's okay, just keep going. But I think those books just really help you psychologically. I mean, like, as I mentioned before with the whole rockets and brain surgery, like so, this is really just psychological battle with yourself. Uh, can you keep yourself going? Can you keep your confidence up? while also learning new information and trying to process and adjust all the time. Uh, I totally, I totally agree with you. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's been a long time since I had like this in-depth conversation just about entrepreneurism like this on, on this particular podcast. And again, we, we talk about multiple different things, but I think this particular topic kind of resonates with me probably more so than anyone else is because when you hit those walls and like you're talking about, like you're depicting a wall and it's kind of like you have to overcome those walls. And I think that's part of why I keep feeding into this podcast, because every single time I, I talk to someone like you, we all hit the walls. But then yep. after I leave this podcast, not only are you going to be energized, but I'm going to be energized to do more as well. So the goal is if I have a podcast per day, then every single day I could be highly productive because, again, I'm getting the motivation and I'm feeding off of you and you're feeding off of me. Yeah. So like the synergy is definitely there to kind of build up this this atomic ball like you're talking about. Right. And then making that explode. So next question that I have based upon like that principle of like exploding in and over a period of time. And, and again, I think that you're doing this every single day. You're on this treadmill, but that treadmill is moving forward progressively. Ideally, where do you see the company 10 years, 20 years from now? Yeah. Uh, I wish I was the imaginary I could tell you 20 years from now. I can only go five years out. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I imagine we will be on a public stock market. Uh, we believe that we're going to be valued about a $5 billion valuation. Okay. And we will focus not on exclusively nutrition, but also expand into fitness, 
stress, sleep, and exercise, uh, with both coaching as well as more devices. More devices are coming to the market. Uh, there's devices that I've played around with that are pre-FDA that let you track lactic acid, that let you track ketones, let you track um, testosterone in real time. So the idea, like if you go to the gym right now and you work out, you, you're like, I think I'm done. I think I'm tired. Could you have kept going? Yeah. Or should you have stopped? I don't know, right? You're just kind of guessing. But if you know exactly, the device tells you exactly what to do, it helps you a lot. People don't realize, but like a lot of Olympic athletes, swimmers, for example, after every practice, they actually poke their ear uh, and they check their lactic acid to determine how the workout went, yeah. right? And imagine having that in real time and for regular people. I think that's where the world's going. We're going to get more, wire, more, more wearables. They're going to be smarter and they're going to be better. And I think we will have more data to improve our health. Um, and I mean, frankly speaking, in the end, like the new generation is realizing that health is a new wealth. The idea of like a two-car garage, nice picket of fence, the big house, it's not as sexy anymore as, hey, at 70 years old, I can still play with my grandkids. I'm still very active. I can get on a plane, go to Australia. Those are the things that people are realizing are much more important than the physical assets. And we're seeing this because we're seeing, you know, People buying the Pelotons, people buying the Orange Theories, mm. yet they still live in apartments and they rent because they're changing their mind the way that you look at life. Uh, it's, a, in my mind, a mindset revolution that's happening. Mm. Uh, and it's fascinating, right? I mean, we're seeing now this, this idea of, you know, the pandemic is a negative thing, but it's driven a lot of people to realize what is important in life to them. Huh. And you see, like, this deficit in employees looking for jobs because people are saying, like, hey, I'm okay making half, working less hours. Or I'm okay making left, living in Argentina as an American, having a better lifestyle. Whereas before it was just career, career, career. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a powerful statement. And it kind of leads me to like, you're talking about essentially mindset, you're talking about fitness, you're talking about fitness being the new wealth. So ideally, I think you're, you're, you're pretty much outlining your demographic. So let's talk about like, you know, who is your ideal avatar for your product as where it is right now? So it's interesting. It's funny you say that because we don't look at the target demographics as much as we look at people's mindset, which is exactly what you said. And what we believe is it's people who are high effort people. Mm. What I mean by that is someone who's ready to make a change. Um, you have people who are type 2 diabetic and you will tell them you have to do ABC and they'll just not do anything. They say, sounds good, thank you. Yeah. And there's people that say, I want to change. I don't know how, but I want to. I will make sure and I will do whatever you guys tell me to do as long as you tell me how. And so it's those people, it's people who want to make a change and they're ready. So it's anyone who's struggling with any glucose issue or wants to improve the glucose for whether it's health optimization, performance athletes, or whether it's someone who's type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic wants to live a longer, healthier life. But it's the mindset of like, hey, I want, I want to change. I want to learn. I want to improve. Um, and to give you some context, I mean, like this technology changes lives, right? You have two people who will eat the exact same thing and they'll respond completely differently. And so what happens is you get this personalization that's never existed before and in real time. Like right now, if you go get on a scale and tells you're 150 pounds, next day it says 155, next day 149. Like, is that water weight? Like, did you, is it muscle? Is it fat? Like, we don't know. This will literally, you will eat something. Within 30 minutes, it'll tell you that food is bad for you. Objectively, to you specifically. Like, there's no guessing where, like some people say you have to be keto. Some people say you have to be vegan. Some people say paleo, right? Uh, this is no guessing. It's, it tells you like for you, uh, what is the food you should be consuming uh, and when and how? 
Very interesting. So, I mean, with that, I mean, obviously, uh, you guys got the app. You got it on multiple platforms. But obviously, this is supported by technology through and through. So what software and tools do you guys use behind the scenes on a day-to-day that you would not be able to do what you're doing without having access to that platform? Yeah, interesting. And it's – there's just – Things have changed so much where before you had to sit there, and it was very hard to start business online before. You had to sit there and build code just for payment processing, for data management. Now there's just so many tools. A lot of them are free, by the way, that lets you build things without any code. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the best revolutionary ones in Stripe, it's a payment processor. It sounds like it's not a simple thing, like, oh, you plug it in and you just collect payments. But it's actually quite difficult to build something like that. Previously, historically, you had to literally sit there and write a ton of code yourself or hire someone to write a ton of code, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to be able to accept credit cards online for your website. And Stripe revolutionized that. Uh, They charge a good amount of fees for that (laughs) forever. Uh, But Stripe has really changed the way businesses can start any moment. Uh, Now Shopify is doing some similar as well. So now they're going head to head Stripe and Shopify Shopify many ways. But those, those companies, the reason they've become so big is because of this. And these are companies like worth hundreds of billions of dollars now. Uh, and there's, you know, I think, I don't know if Shopify IPO'd yet, but I know Stripe hasn't yet. And it's because they've made hundreds of millions of people around the world be, become entrepreneurs overnight if they wanted to do so. Uh, another one's Airtable, by the way, is a really good one. Uh, we have used Airtable for like pretty much the back, uh, back end of our business for like two years. Now we're getting off of it because we're probably too old for that. And now we have to build our own servers, but like we used it for everything you could ever imagine. More than like we had a call with our team and they're like, we've never seen use cases like this before. Uh, because anyone can just start on it day one and it lets you do whatever you want with it. Uh, but the one that I'll actually tell you guys that you guys consider is Zapier. Now I feel like I'm working for Zapier. Uh, <laughs> but Zapier is one of those tools that lets you connect like 50 different softwares with 50 other different softwares. And so you can have your email talking to your Stripe account, talking to Google Sheets, talking to your Slack, and it requires zero code as well. And very powerful tool, very, very powerful tool. Um, I wish I knew this existed before. And again, a multi-billionaire company, right? These things are changing the game. So I should get some sponsorship from them for this. So oh, yeah, definitely a worst case scenario, affiliate deals, a partnership agreement. Right? So I think <laughs> yeah. one thing that, that you said is really, really valuable. And I want to kind of break it down a little bit more to kind of put it into perspective. I mean, Stripe is powerful because if you go back roughly 20 years in the last 20, 25 years, you yeah. literally had to go to a bank, right? And talk <laughs> yeah. to a bank professional to say, hey, I want to access authorize.net or whatever it was at that yeah. point in time. And I wanted to make transactions through the internet. And they would be like, sure. And they, they would charge you like four. 4.5% fees and everything else just for you to authorize your, your transactions. So when Stripe stepped in and PayPal, Zeo, yep. Vimo, yep. Cash App, all these new different platforms stepped in, it kind of changed that environment to where the common person that doesn't know anything about business and does not want to go into a bank has access to platforms now. That way you don't have to like deal with the big corporations per se, right? So Yeah, yeah. And it's that. I mean, it's also like if you're a great designer – but you don't know tech. Why do you have to become a tech expert to start a, to sell selling your product online? Yeah. If you great make delicious food, if you want to sell it online, or if you make whatever it is you make, and why do you have to learn some the completely different field of just to launch a company? It provides access, right? There's like plug and play. Like you, they even have platforms where it's like you just say, "I want to sell this," and they just set it up everything for you. Um, it, it's that's what you they re, they reduce the amount of friction for you to start a business. Uh, and more and more companies, I call they, they call them no-code 
companies, right? Yep. And there's more and more coming of them. And yes, if you scale and get very big, then you probably want to customize. You probably want to get off over time. But at that point, that's a problem. That's a good. That's a good problem to have. If you get big enough, you can <laughs> not worry about that. Uh, and you can hire people to help you build it. But yeah, I agree 100%. You need uh, these tools right now, and I highly recommend you guys use them. Um, it's just they've changed the the landscape of the world, which is fascinating, right? Maybe someday we'll get rid of boundaries around the world as well. There would be won't be any countries and we could all just have free trade, right? Well, I think with crypto and metaverse is, is potentially trending in that direction, right? So, yeah. Well, the government's trying to control a lot of it, I think, right? Like the dark web. Good luck with that as well, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, going into like final words of wisdom, I mean, obviously you're talking about an individual that has a high productive mindset like they want to achieve particular things not necessarily a white picket fence but they want to have the freedom to live and enjoy their lives so what words of wisdom would you give to that person they're listening to this podcast and they're saying i want to start a company maybe down the road they want to partner with you and they're hitting their first hurdle right now how would you help them overcome that hurdle what words of insight would you give to them well first of all i'd say that i think it's unfair when people say oh anyone can do anything every like as long as you work hard you're going to make it unfortunately there's people who start way ahead you know, like people forget that, like, if you take a look at Mark Zuckerberg, creator of Facebook, like he went to a feeder school for Harvard, where something like 75% people that went to his high school went to Harvard afterwards, because they were like pre-admitted to Harvard. Um, and it's interesting, in my high school, my gym teacher was also my political science teacher, right, because I went to public school. In high schools, like the, the ones that Mark Zuckerberg goes to, uh, former U.S. senators are teaching his political science class. So that kind of exposure is just not comparable, right? So uh, I think it's important to be aware that we don't all start the same place. So please stop comparing yourself to people like the Bill Gates's, the Mark Zuckerberg's. It's just, you know, it's not fair. And it's like, I think you're hurting your own ego and your own confidence level. And so I think one is just understand where you are right now and what do you need to get to the next level, Hmm. not how do you get to the Mark Zuckerberg's level? I think that's the problem. We have these stories and painted stories of people who are incredibly successful, but they've had incredible starts that were like miles ahead. Like Bill Gates, I mean, like his fa- his mom was like, I'm a board of directors for IBM. Like these, <laughs> like the crazy part about it for most people, if you get to the point where Bill Gates, like you get to be in Bill Gates' family pre-Microsoft, this is success for most of us career-wise. And that was a starting point, right? And that's the point I'm trying to get to is don't compare yourself to these people that are just the 0.00001% and they've had a head start like crazy. Uh, think about where you are now and how you get better and better and better every single day. And you'd be amazed what you end up doing in one, two, three years from now. And then you look back and you laugh at how where you were. Because it's important to keep yourself encouraging. It's, it's all mindset, right? It's all mindset. It's like everything we do in life is just like just create a myth. And sometimes it's a myth that we can break and sometimes it's not. But the reason we can't break it or can't is not because we're not smart enough. It's because we haven't given ourselves enough time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely very, very, very powerful. So, I mean, with that, how does someone get in connect with you? What do they download sure. the app if they want to try it out? And I think you guys uh, have an offer as well that you'd like to give to our audience. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, first of all, you can just add me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to help anyone. Uh, my name is Dan Zavrotny. I know that's really hard to spell. <laughs> so I'm sure maybe we can link that in the show notes. Yep. Uh, and you guys can check out Nutrisense.io. We actually finally bought Nutrisense.com. So we own that as well now. But the trend. <laughs> so if you go to Nutrisense.com as well, it's N-U-T-R-I. 
S-E-N-S-E dot I-O. So if you want to go there and check it out, uh, feel free to buy. If not, by the way, you don't need to buy anything. You could, we also have a ton of content that's important that you can read and actually learn on your own about how to improve your health. And so our goal is to educate the world. And if you can get that from our content, which we publish every single day, a ton of it, please do that. Don't have to spend a dollar with us if you don't want to. No, don't, no pressure of any other kind. Uh, but if you do, we have a discount. Uh, I believe it's $75 off of any subscription, right? And I think it's Boss Uncaged. Is that, uh, just use that at checkout and you'll get a $75 discount for any product you sign up for. Perfect, perfect. So that leads us into the bonus round. And this, I'm nervous. Nah, nah, it's nothing to be nervous about. I mean, obviously you've had a, a lot of different achievements over, over your, your course of your career and your life. So if you had to pick one to be your most significant, which one would that be and why? Oh boy. I I think this is gonna this is gonna sound a little bit kind of too since all I do is hustle 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 sometimes. Uh, it's actually the fact that I probably have ten good friends mm-hmm. that I trust really trust, and the reason I say it's because I think it, as we get older we realize how hard it's to have friendships and maintain those friendships. And my dad actually told me for a long time if you have two good friends you have a lot of friends. Wow, when you're older uh, because as you get older we get busy we have families we have careers. And I've been able to maintain 10 good friendships, which I think is really difficult to do as you get older. And these are people that I can call and get me out of jail. I can call, hey, do this for me, or I can, you know, I can rely on. And I'm actually most proud of that because, you know, we naturally are all tribal people. And so having your own tribe and people you can really truly believe in and rely on is very helpful. And I've made a conscious effort to maintain those relationships. And this could be as silly as the like yesterday, last night actually. Text one of our friends, it was like 9 p.m. Like, what are you doing? He's like, uh, getting ready to bed. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm gonna come through and say what's up. Hmm. And I just literally walked over. First of all, I dual benefit. I walked over, burned some calories, right? <laughs> now I got my 10, 10 minute walk in. Uh, it was like 45 minute walk in, but got my walk in. So, and, you know, got to enjoy the fresh air. I uh, got to get some steps in. And I got to see my friend, you know, talk to him for literally 10 minutes and just went home, right? Uh, and it also gives you purpose to the workout, right? It's not just, you know, just walking to the Want to walk in, you walk into a goal to see your friend. Uh, it was just a 10 minute conversation. I went home afterwards. Um, but those little things help. Um, it's important. Remember that, like, all these things we're tr- trying, striving for uh, money, success, career it's to get freedom so we can spend time with our family and friends, right? That's the end goal, really. Uh, so we can have the financial freedom to do what we want and not someone, have someone to answer to. And so, relationships in the end, family and friends are the key and that's something i'm very very proud of nice very nice so that's a good segue into the next question right um if you could spend 24 hours with anyone right dead or alive uninterrupted for those 24 hours who would it be and why well first of all maybe with you i think right i need to pick your brain one of these days uh you're like you're an expert in everything branding so um i mean that's a great question it's tough right but i think what I'd love to do, and I've, it's unfair because I've answered this question before. Mm. Uh, so I think it would be me 10 years ago. Wow. To tell myself, hey, get your ass going. Like, don't be lazy. Uh, or don't be afraid. Just go, 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 go. Like, fail. Just fail. The people would say fail fast. Yeah. Like, I really believe that. Like, just try it. The hardest part is going, getting going. Um, and I see this all the time. Like, whenever, I mean, it's even translates to travel. I remember every time I was like, 
I'm always afraid to go a new country. I'm always afraid of it. And then like once you buy the flight, it's just so much easier to show up and you go. Um, and so you always want to just go, go, try, try, try. Uh, and it's just like, it's people tell you these things and you know, for people always say like fail fast. And for some reason, I don't know why we as human beings read this, understand it, but don't do it, right? And it's just like, it's this emotional fear. It comes down to psychological mindset fear of like, what will happen? I don't know, it's the unknown. Um, and I, I still don't know how to get people to truly believe in it. Uh, I've noticed some people believe in it and some people don't, and I don't know why. And that's something that I'm actually like on a mission to figure out because I, you know, I explain these things to people and people say, sounds good, that makes perfect sense, and then they don't do it, right? Yeah. And it translates to all parts of life. Like people will say like they want this part, they want this imaginary partner they aspire to, but then they see someone at a bar or a restaurant and they like that person, they don't say hi. Huh. Why is that? Right? It's the same thing, just go say hi, right? It's that promotion they want. Instead of asking their boss, I just wait for someone else to get promoted. Uh, it's a company. It's, it translates to all parts of life. Just like, just ask, right? And I don't know why people don't do it. It's you know they logically get it. Everyone gets it. We all say it. we read books about it, but yet no one. Live of people do it. People that do do it succeed. That's the crazy part. Um, I think. I mean, to give you some context, is like the rejection rate we have is unreal. For every hundred investors we talk to. 99, I'm not even embellishing, 99 say, nope. One says yes, but it only takes one. I mean, even if I give you context for influencers context, um, we, when I reached out to influencers, I reached out, out to over a thousand influencers before one said yes, because we had no brand. Nobody knew who the hell we were. And then once we get one and we got to go and then we got two, five, 10, now we do like 200 a month. So like, think about that just from thousand, like 999 rejections, literally it's insane numbers, rejections to 200 a month of onboarding new influencers. And so it's important to just somehow, I don't know if it's like maybe force yourself to get rejected. I've noticed sometimes like, you know, almost like throwing yourself in situations you know you're gonna fail in on purpose, knowing you're gonna fail. Maybe just get used to that feeling of rejection, be like, oh wait, it doesn't hurt that bad. Like wait, nothing happened, right? Maybe try that, I don't know. Um, I sometimes make jokes to people and I'll be like, go talk to strangers. Uh, because it's super uncomfortable, it's super awkward. And it's going to go poorly, very likely. But, and, but, but then you realize the poorly is more of like, uh, what do you want from me? Like, why are you talking to me? Yeah. And then, then you realize there's no actual real consequence of you talking to a stranger, right? And I think that's something uh, I would give myself advice on because I think I struggle with it. I think most people struggle with it. Yet we read all these, you know, self-help books and yet we don't transition for some reason. And something clicks one point in time and we do. But what does that click? That's the part I'm still trying to solve. Do you know, do you know what, it, what that click is? I don't know. I think for me, because I mean, I was a guy behind the curtain forever. And so, you know, part of me was fearful of being in front of the camera. Hence why I started a podcast. Cause I knew the podcast was just going to be my voice. I never thought I had a radio voice or anything like that. I was like, okay, well, let me just start. Yep. Then now is at the point to where I enjoy it. I look forward to it. So now it becomes so effortless. You know, it's like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not really trying. Like we're just having a conversation. I'm listening to what you're saying. And then I'm absorbing content from you. And then we're regurgitating and we're mixing it up. It's like, we're baking a cake. Yeah. But again, you got to have to break some eggs in that process. So I think over a period of time, you get to the point to where you're not just making cakes, you're making cookies, you're making like all these different desserts. And you have a smorgasbord of items that you can kind of reach into your back pocket and present at that point in time. But it takes time and effort to get to that point. Cause again, if you go back three years ago, 
you and I, we're, we're strangers technically. Yeah. Hour ago, right. <laughs> yeah. But now yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, we have like this unsung brother, brotherhood and we can communicate and I can see you in the street and I walk up to you and say, Hey, what's going on, Dan? Like, yeah. podcast, blah, 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 blah. What's going on? Yeah, how things are going with your family in Ukraine? Because now we've established that, that, that bond and unity, because again, the veil and affairs down. So it's yeah. overcoming that first step of, like you said, just talking to someone, communicating with them and the, the outcome could definitely be fruitful if you just be yourself a hundred percent. Well, but as I'm thinking with your story, you had this transition point. You were behind the curtain and you said, okay, I'm going to launch this podcast, right? I'm going to get my face in front of it. What was the trigger? Like, is it something like, okay, I'm tired of this. Something must have pushed you, right? Because you can be behind the curtain next 20 years. I'm sorry. I had a stroke. That that, that was my trigger point. So yeah. literally, like I was just in the hospital trying to say, okay, well, well, okay, what am I going to do next? Obviously, like I have all this business background. How do I project that forward and then it kind of grew oh, i'll start a podcast why the hell not and then it went from being a here podcast into where we are right now i mean interestingly enough like we look at kanye's story kanye west right <laughs> he had an accident and he came back he's like what am i doing this is my this is my life right i need to do this i need to make this happen and that best album of all time right yeah. uh it's we have these trigger points that's what it is uh what i'm trying to learn and understand in life is how do we have a trigger point how we encourage people to have a trigger point without having to have a stroke right yeah and that's because that is a roller coaster right i don't and i'm sorry that you went through but you don't want everyone to go through that experience because that's a scary experience right and it's not always a pleasant actually never pleasant right and so we have something in our company like people come to us where they go they're like my dad got heart heart disease my dad got diabetes some of my family passed away and then all of a sudden that's a trigger point for them mm-hmm. but why like how do we encourage those trigger points without having them go through hardships or maybe hardship is required for the trigger points. I think, it you is. know, I think, it you think it is? is. I think it's kind of like fight or flight, right? I mean, some people, yeah. they want to fight and some people, they want to run, but you only run, but so far until you hit a wall, hit another corner and then you turn yeah. around and then all of a sudden that switch hits and you go from running to fighting. So it's that trigger point of, okay, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of, of being embellished by fear. And now I'm going to seize the opportunity and I'm going to kick that shit in his ass. Exactly. But yeah. And then I think my life mission is to figure out how do you solve it? How do you get that kicking ass faster earlier? Right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> because I think yeah. we live in this comfortable world where the problem is that, you know, you can make okay money and have an okay job that you don't really care about and you just keep going to it because there's nothing kicking your ass. Hmm. And it's so easy. Like the comforts of life really slow you down a lot of times. This is going to sound really silly sometimes, but like once every two months, I'll sleep on a floor. And I'll have the worst night of sleep. I just, I hate it. It's just terrible. I literally sleep on the floor, like no pillow. And it's terrible. And that reminds me of like, hey, you have a good life. Uh, get your shit together. No matter how comfortable you are, keep hustling. Because it's after a while, you get a nice mattress and you have, you know, all these mattresses that are coming out, like memory foam and all this. And then the cooling pillow, but the, the temperature of the mattress is different than the pillow. And it's too easy to get too comfortable and not just keep going. Yeah. Uh, and these things are so affordable now that, you know, we live in the U.S. It's such a comfortable place to live. And so how do we force ourselves to be kicked in ass? And I consider myself to kick an ass. Like, uh, sometimes I will literally, like, my friends will try to go to a nice dinner and I will say, no, I'm not going out. And like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm saying nothing. I want to feel like, a little bit of pain and discomfort to keep reminding myself to keep going because it's so easy to get complacent. It's right. so simple. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it, it's... 
I mean, I love hearing what, what you're saying. I mean, you're talking about the desire to be hungry no matter what's going on. Like, you could be a multi-billionaire tomorrow, and that's why some multi-billionaires are the way they are. Like, they're a multi-billionaire, but they may own the original Honda that they already had. Yeah. They still live yep. in the apartment. They could buy the entire block, but they don't, and they don't want to lose, and they want to stay focused on achieving and leaving that legacy, and whatever that legacy may be. So, I mean, I think with that, going into closing, I think, like, you asked earlier about potentially interviewing me. So in the Boston cage, I usually close out with giving you an opportunity to ask me any question that may have come up. Yep. So now the Boston cage show is yours. The microphone is yours. Yep. What questions do you have for me? Yeah. So, I mean, what's your, what's your end life goal vision? It's, it's funny. Cause I, I, I had these goals and these visions, but the more and more you do something like what I'm doing with this podcast, the more and more it scales and it grows. So, I mean, originally it was to leave a legacy behind for my kids to, so they can kind of see the steps that I took to, to get to wherever platform it gets to. And then it grew into, okay, not only addition to my kids, but how do I help other entrepreneurs and business owners? And hence why you and I are here today and we're having this level of communication. But it's like, what does that look like at scale? Like, again, we have like close to 8 billion people by the time you know, maybe 90 billion people here shortly, really quickly. How is there opportunity for, for this podcast to help someone in India or help someone in Australia or help someone in Texas get that little bit of fire burning inside of them? Listening to your story, hearing that, you know, you're from Ukraine and what's going on in Ukraine and Russia right now. But at the same time, you're a finance guy that then jumped into tech and you're doing it to where you have $150 million valuation. Just to hear these little pain points and these these achievements to trigger to someone to grow and scale and having the Boston cage be that seed to that fire. What is it about you that makes you want to help people so much? Because there are people who don't want to help. They want to just get the money, get the bottle service, right? And you say, no, I want to help people. You want to use it for the good. Why is that? It goes back to what you said earlier about, you know, you got 120 employees, but, you know, you had to go over these hurdles to figure out the right employees at the right time. You cannot do anything by yourself. And first way to help anyone is to essentially help yourself. But by helping people, then they're helping you. So it's more yeah. of the unity. It's the community, right? Again, you could be a millionaire, but becoming a millionaire, you can't do it by yourself. You become a billionaire, yeah. but becoming a billionaire, you can't do it by yourself. And then once you become a millionaire, once you become a billionaire, then you have an opportunity to help other people become wealthy as well. And then the more wealth yeah. that you spread globally, then you can kind of raise an army of wealthy people to then help the global population. So, I mean, that's just my belief in the, the way I look at things. But again, it's a step in procedures to get to those next levels. Yeah, that's fantastic. Those are great words. Yeah. I think. Those are really good words. I, I appreciate that. It's uh, it's rare to hear that. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks like you're living the truth. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, I definitely appreciate you. I mean, any last questions that you have? Um, no, I think this is great. I'm glad. I'm glad I met you. Hope we do it again. Yeah, definitely, man. I definitely appreciate having you on the show. And again, I think it goes back to what you said earlier. It's about like, it's funny how in one hour and 15 minutes we went from strangers to like, huh? Not only do I like, like I could totally go to chicago and be like hey guys let's get up here let's sit down yeah yeah definitely yeah, so. definitely hit me up cool cool so i mean that, that's it man i definitely appreciate being on the show today taking time out your busy schedule and and I, I look forward to seeing what what you do in the next five years with your five-year plan for sure sounds good all right my man i hope we talk soon definitely sa grant over and out Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at 
ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss on Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.